dreams. Episode 3 Sensory Deprivation One. I ran out into the castle courtyard. Mortared stone walls stretched skyward all around me. Ahead, the little blonde girl I was chasing ran past a fountain. Stop, I tried to shout. You're in danger! But although my lips moved and my vocal cords strained, no sound came out of my mouth. There was no sound in this entire world, I realized. Sight, taste, touch, and smell were all here, but no sound. The little girl couldn't hear me. As I raced after the girl, I mouthed words of warning and cupped my hand around my ear as if to say, Listen to me! She looked back over her shoulder, and I could see from the expression on her face that she understood me. She's a telepath, I realized. She could read my mind, and she understood everything I was saying. But I could also see from her stony, determined expression that she wasn't going to heed my warnings. She shook her head, and then darted into the darkness of a tunnel. There was a homeless man named John who always wore a blindfold. Because John never took this blindfold off, it was difficult for him to dress himself. So my friends and I wanted to help John prepare to go see his social worker. So we dressed him up in a nice white button-up shirt, black slacks, and a black suit jacket, and an old-style stovepipe hat. Unfortunately, the hat was a little too big for John, so it sat too low on his head, covered up his eyes. I realized that if I put something in the hat, that would help it sit higher on John's head. So I filled the hat with sand, and then put it on his head. All of the sand spilled out around the loose brim of the hat like a silica waterfall down John's face. He just stood there with a stunned expression, sand in his slightly ajar mouth. I said, well, that didn't work quite as I intended. Three. I saw an ad for a personal assistant job, and so I called to set up an interview. On the appointed date, I went to the address I'd been given. It was a huge, white, multi-story mansion. I knocked on the sturdy oak doors, and a butler answered and admitted me to the ballroom. The butler showed me to a velvet couch to await my prospective employer, then drifted away to his other duties. The ballroom had marble columns and flooring, crystal chandeliers, and a huge spiral staircase with dark oak handrails. It also had a big black grand piano. A young East Indian woman my age sat at the piano, nimble hands dancing over the keys. She was beautiful, 
And still more beautiful was the music she played. It was the most beautiful thing I'd ever heard. Enraptured, I got up from my velvet seat and went to stand by this piano-playing woman. Absorbed in her playing, she didn't notice my approach. Finally, she struck the final key, and the last lingering note of her song faded. Overwhelmed, I hugged her. The woman violently recoiled from my touch. I let go, and my mouth dropped open. Sorry, I stammered. Why would you do that? the woman demanded. Don't you know I have a disease that makes you colorblind and it spreads through physical touch? What? I... Wait, you mean I'm infected? I'm gonna go colorblind? That's not the worst of it, interrupted a male voice. I looked up and saw an Indian man in brown slacks and a tan suit jacket descending the stairs. Silver streaks in his air hinted at his advanced age. You'll go colorblind, yes, and be robbed of the vividness of this beautiful world. But also, you will be robbed of the physical touch of any other person. You will be unable to ever touch anyone, except those already infected. His eyes settled meaningfully on his daughter. The solution is obvious. The two of you will marry and go live together in India. Get married, I said. What about the job? The job? What job? The job I came here to apply for. Wait a minute. There never was any job, was there? Did you set this up? Did you arrange this whole interview so I'd touch your daughter and have to marry her? The man looked at me quietly for a long time. Finally, he said, I hoped it might happen, yes. If you hadn't touched her, then I'd have turned you down for the job and interviewed someone else. You took away my life. You took away my self-determination. Self-determination is just a false excuse that racists use to explain why they hate arranged marriage. I looked at the man's daughter. As I gazed at her, the colors in my vision faded to black and white. But the colors of her face and hair took a little longer to fade than everything else. And I thought that maybe I could love this woman. Maybe, if our love grew over time, the world would come to seem more colorful, not less so. Hey, thank you so much for listening to Dreams From My Brain. I'm putting a ton of time into this podcast, doing recording, production, cover art, all of it. So it would seriously mean the world to me if you would help me get the word out about the podcast. Tell your friends, review the podcast on iTunes, share the Facebook page, tweet at me on Twitter, whatever. It really means a lot. And hey, if you want to support this work in a more tangible way, you can even become a Patreon supporter. Just go to patreon.com front slash dreams from my brain. The intro sequence for this podcast uses the song I Dream by Nomadic XXL under a Creative Commons Attribution 3.0 unported license. Also used in today's episode are several clips from a German independent label called Horspielwerkstatt Fantastonia and released under a Creative Commons Attribution license.